Rabbis call him pastor. Pastors call him rabbi. His patients call him doc. And his New York family calls him Meshuga, crazy, because he believes in Messiah. Welcome to this episode of To Life, where Miles Weiss highlights the hope behind the headlines. Shalom, all y'all, and welcome to this episode of To Life. I'm Miles Weiss, and I am thrilled to be with you today. I have a special message for you today about the season that we're in politically, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and we are on a wild ride. So buckle up. Let's get into this. I want to talk to you about the season that we're in in the Torah, in the reading of the Torah around the world. All of the Jewish people and those that are knit into the Jewish community through Yeshua are reading the Exodus story. And I have to say, it's pretty amazing that uh, we're in that season, especially uh, the last few weeks. A couple of weeks ago, the Torah portion was let my people go. Last week, it was about coming out and worshiping him together. And I just want to say that we're between the season of Hanukkah and Purim. So we are standing in the light and we are ready for deliverance. Uh, think about this verse in 1 John one thirty one says, See how glorious a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Folks, the reason why it seems to be such an assault against believers, against those that are hoping for certain things in this country and around the world, certain positive changes, uh, is because the world does not know Yeshua. As we come to know him, he changes us. You know, my own life uh, absolutely turned my life right side up when I had an encounter with the Jewish Messiah, who's also the Savior of the world. So the word I have for you today is Chazak from Joshua 1.9, be strong and of good courage especially during these tumultuous times, these challenging times, as we continue to see this ball of confusion, great song from the 70s, spinning wildly into a new season, we need to be sure of several things. First, 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We need to fight back against the spirit of fear that is trying to come over us. We need to pray for a spirit of discernment regarding that so we can discern between real news and that which is not. And everything that comes across the Internet is not true news. Second, Romans 8.28 says, we all know. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, and who are called according to his purpose. I want to say this. God's got you. Even setbacks are setups for his purposes. So often we feel like, oh, all is lost and we don't know what this means, but there's always something God is doing because his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The government is on his shoulders, and the fact is that he is expanding in the midst of trial. And finally, I want to say, looking forward to Purim, Esther 4.14 says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews, the people of God from another place, but you and your father's house shall perish. But who knows whether you have attained royal status for such a time as this. I love that interpretation, that translation. You've attained royal status. It, on some translations, it says you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this, but you have a royal status and God is aware of that. So I want to tell you that you are part of the answer by spreading the love and the truth of Yeshua to this world. That's our destiny as believers. I came across an amazing thing as I was preparing to bring a message a couple of weeks ago. 
I came across this remarkable fact about the old country. I called this section of the podcast, Let Freedom Ring. And I can see Mel Gibson as Braveheart screaming, freedom, at the end of Braveheart. But I feel like that's really relevant for us right now. You know, I was looking up some things about freedom and freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom of religion. And I came across this amazing thing about New York City. Now, I was born in Manhattan, raised in Queens. I was raised in Flushing, Queens. I often lamented the name of my neighborhood, Flushing. I mean, it would have been so much cooler to be from the Bronx or Flatbush in Brooklyn or even Hell's Kitchen on the west side of Manhattan. But Flushing? Imagine my surprise when I discovered this week that Flushing was the site of remarkable battle for the freedom of religion and the freedom to worship in the New World. It was called the Flushing Remonstrance, and it pushed back against religious oppression. It's often called the Magna Carta of the New World. What? Yeah, a document and a pushback against authoritarianism in the name of freedom of religion and freedom to worship. The village, Flushing, was often, it was originally named Vlissingen after a city in the Netherlands, then Vlissing, and then anglicized as Flushing, which is how I grew up, Flushing, Queens, New York. It was part of the Dutch colony of the New Netherland, originally settled by English people, operating under a patent issued by a governor in 1645, granting them the same state of religious freedom that existed in Holland, which was the most tolerant of European countries. In fact, many of the pilgrims that came a little bit later, they came by way of Holland. They left the oppression of England and they went to Holland where they learned about religious freedom. And therefore, when they came to the new world, they were all about having the freedom to worship God the way they so fit. Now, interestingly, a governor, mark that word, Governor Peter Stuyvesant, he demanded that the mostly Dutch Reformed citizens join him in persecuting the Quakers, a small sect in the new world. In 1657, freedom-loving Christians wrote the Flushing Remonstrance. That's a, an old word for a forceful, reproachful, although peaceful protest. In other words, standing up to tyranny, but using the Bible, the plumb line of the goodness of God and the way of reason in order to argue against it, not violence. And so they, they wrote this thing. They answered the governor who demanded that they join, them, join him in persecuting a smaller part of the religion. They said it this way. You have been pleased to send unto us a certain prohibition or command that we should not receive or entertain any of those people called Quakers because they are supposed to be by some seducers of the people. For our part, we cannot condemn them in this case. Neither can we stretch out our hands against them. We desire, therefore, in this case, not to judge, lest we be judged, neither to condemn, lest we be condemned, but rather let every man stand or fall to his own master. We are bound by the law to do good unto all men, especially to those of the household of faith. Now, this is old-timey stuff, 1657. Wow. You may ask, so what? Okay, try it this way. Substitute your favorite modern American governor's name. There's so many to choose from. And the parallel becomes crystal clear. Just like in the 1600s, authorities are demanding that any of those who do not follow the state-sponsored religion of atheistic secular humanism should be persecuted, marginalized, silenced, deplatformed, canceled, or God knows what else. So... 
We're looking forward into the past and looking from the past into the future. And like the believers of old, let's assert our right to freedom of worship. We need to be able to gather. We need to be able to praise our God. We need to be able to lift our voices to Messiah, to the Savior. We need the freedom to be able to worship in this land. Many have died, fought and died for that right for us. So let's be bold. Let's gather as led. Let's open up congregations. Let's begin to meet in safe, healthful, appropriate ways to lift up our voices and let freedom ring. And that is the hope behind the headlines. 